The Lord is my best friend, reading from the Passion Translation, and my shepherd, I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the waters of a resting place. That's where he restores and revives my soul. He opens before me pathways, plural, to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. Tell somebody fear will never conquer you. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. Amen. I want to speak to you on the subject, so who's your staff, part three? Who's your staff? Who's your staff? David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, your rod and your staff. Your staff brings me comfort in struggling, challenging, dark places. And we're saying, uh, we've been saying every week that there is no rest without community. There is no rest without community. There is a resting place that God wants each and every one of us to come to. There is no rest without community. And there is no rest without you having your own personal staff. Everybody in this room, even children, even babies must have their own staff. You must have your staff. In this church, I have two staff. Executive team that helps me to run the church and they the Board of Elders who helped me to uh, uh, minister and, and make sure that the church and the, and, the pa- and the partners are well taken care of spiritually. I can't do this by my own. Amen. And, and I can't do life on my own. I have people in my life who, who help me to do life. You can't do life on your own. And if you're struggling, the first thing you should ask yourself is, who is my staff? And then some people say, well, I can't trust anybody. Well, you better find somebody to trust because you're not going to make it successfully in life without staff. Praise the Lord. How many of you have little children? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Little children, okay. And how many of you... How many of you have babysitters from time to time to take care of your children? Amen, amen, amen. And you realize, guess what? Those, those people are staff. 
Because some of you, like me, when my children were little, you can't imagine doing this 24-7. I know you love your kids, but they would drive you crazy. Amen? Some of you, they're driving you crazy now, but the Lord is good. <laughs> but the point is, is that we all need staff. So in life, we talked about the fact that we need staff, that the acronym for staff is, number one, S, who supports you? Who, who pours into you? We all need somebody to pour into us. Many of us are giving, 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 giving. Who pours into you? Secondly, we all need a teacher, someone who disciples us, someone who, who we're learning from. We all need a, an administrator or someone to administrate us. Who, who, who helps you, who helps bring clarity to your life? If you can pass me the staff right there. Who helps bring clarity to your life? In other words, uh, what the shepherd would do from time to time, he would clear the, the bushes to make sure that there were no vipers, no snakes in there. Who, who brings clarity to your life? Who helps you to think? Who who, who adds value to your life? Could you hold this for a minute? I'll get it back. Actually, I'll just leave it here. Who adds value to your life like Joseph added value to Pharaoh's life? Who, who, who helps you to excel like, like Jethro helped Moses to excel in uh, the book of Exodus when he said, it's not good for you to do all this on your own? F, who is faithful? Who... Who is full of faith? Who believes in you? We all need somebody who believes in us. We all need, who, who can you rely on? Who, who will fight for you? Who, who, will, who will not let you settle for less? When I was in ninth grade, I, I went from public school to Catholic school, and I remember my, my, one of my first days in Catholic school, uh, which you know, I went to a school that all of a sudden I, I, I realized that my parents were paying for school, and I realized that, that uh, I, had a, I, I really uh, valued money. And, and so when I, when I took a history class, uh, the first quarter, because when you're in high school anyways, uh, your grades are uh, divided into four quarters, and I remember that, that um, the first quarter, Going from public school to Catholic school was very high academic, high demand when it came to studying, and I wasn't doing a whole lot of studying back in public school. Nothing is public school, but the one that I went to was not too cool. Amen. And so, anyways, uh, my highest grade in the first quarter of that particular class was a D minus. That was my highest grade. That's when I did well, a D minus. A D minus. And, and I remember when I went to get my, when I got my grade, my teacher gave me a D minus for a grade. And being a Christian, I knew that I shouldn't have got a D minus. I should have got an F for faith. <laughs> so I walked up to the teacher after class and I said, uh, uh, Mrs. Lightsinger, that was 45 years ago, and I still remember her name. You know why? Because I said to her, Miss Lightsinger, I have flunked every test except for one, and that was a D minus. And I said to her, Why did you give me a D minus? 
I should have got an F. And some of you are looking at me like, well, I wouldn't have argued. I would have just said, praise the Lord. Miss <laughs> Lysinger looked me in the eye and she said, Brian, because I believe you can do the work. Those few words, I believe you can do the work. From that moment on, I never got a grade below an A minus. Just, just her words that said, I believe in you. All you need is somebody who says, I believe in you. And it can change everything. But here's the question. Who are you saying to somebody who's broken, who's hurt, who feels like their life is a failure? Who are you saying to the person, I believe in you? We live in a consumer mentality. Was who ministers to me? Who's, who meets my needs? And God is saying, whose needs are you meeting? Could you turn to the person next to you and say, my friend, you are worth following. Because the final F of staff is who's following you? Who's following you? Because somebody is following you. Uh, Dr. Fred Opie shared, uh, Dr. Fred, you're on here, right here, raise your hand. Uh, he shared on Father's Day, not at this service, but the earlier service, and he said something that I really believe. He said these words. He says, some things are better caught than taught. Are you following me? Some things are better caught than taught. You can tell somebody to show up to the job at 8.30, but if they're always coming late, then you catch that spirit of it doesn't matter. Are you with me? How many of you have ever gone to church? How many of you used to belong to church? And I'll raise my hand. Who the sign outside said at 11 o'clock, but church started when it started. Can you raise your hand? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Church started when it comes. When we wait for the musicians. We're waiting for the people. And so there's a culture that says outside it's supposed to start at 11, but the, the culture that's caught says we start any time we want. So my point is, is that people are following you. And we're not talking about Facebook. People are, that ain't following. People are following you. Who, who's learning from you? John Maxwell says, leadership is influence. And trust me, every one of you, whether you believe it or not, you have influence. You have influence. And so the question is not whether are you a leader, because you're a leader. The question is, are you going to be a good leader or a not so good leader? You're worth following. Uh, Vanessa uh, shared a wonderful word on Friday night talking about yeah. unshamed plug for my daughter. <laughs> but she, she spoke her message about comparisons and how we're so busy comparing ourselves to each other and not realizing that you as an individual are uniquely made. There's only one you. You are the original. 
And God doesn't make mistakes. I said, God doesn't make mistakes. There are people who will follow you that will never follow me. So my job is to pour into you the things of God so that you can lead others and in many instances lead them to Christ. I've had many people, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, my, all my daughter, all my children, I only have two, but they're all saved, they love Jesus, they're involved in the church, and people, people watch that. People watch that. I remember I, when I used to, well, I guess I still do travel a lot, ministry, and I remember I went to this big church, and, I'm, and, and, and someone said to me, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing well. And they said, I believe you. And I said, well, why didn't you believe my words? They said, no, I believe you because I'm looking at your wife. Because you know you wives, you ain't playing that. Ah, it's better caught than taught. Timothy, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, and all that you, Timothy, Timothy, learned from me, Paul, confirmed, watch this, confirmed by the integrity of my life. You cannot give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. As, as, as much as I look like I'm in shape, I haven't been to a gym in so long. And, and my point is, is that, so if I said to you, hey, I want to help you get in shape, I can't give what I don't have. I can't. I can't be walking up three flights of stairs and by the time I get to the top going, let me train you. That's, that's not going to work. <laughs> by the integrity of my life, he says, pass on to faithful leaders, people who are competent to teach the same revelation. The name Timothy means one who God honors, which means that by the grace of God, as, as you pour into somebody the things of God, God wants to bring that person to a place that brings him honor. Are you with me so far? Let me keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, uh, the Apostle Paul says, and, you, and you've heard this scripture, he says, follow me as I follow Christ, or the easy read version says, uh, follow my example just as I follow the example of Christ. In other words, it is my hope that as I am following Christ, these young guys, well, you look so nice, that's right, that's right. God bless you. Anyhow, see, see, there's a young couple, and, and yes, yes, that's good. That's good. That's good. See, they're still in love, and bless the Lord. See, my point is I want to, make an, I want to keep an example. Okay, so Paul says, follow me or imitate me as I imitate Christ. This word follow, it is the word uh, mamise, sorry, mamites which means, from which we get our English word, mime. Mime. Show the next picture. We've seen the mime before, okay? Okay? We've seen those kind of, no, they, they, they imitate you. 
You look to the right, they look to the right. And, and, it, and it gets annoying, but I know that God doesn't get annoyed when we follow and imitate Jesus. So I want to encourage you. You can't imitate Jesus if you don't know how Jesus behaves. You would do well to spend the summer just meditating and reading the Gospels. How did, how did Jesus treat people? How did Jesus treat broken people? You know, Jesus was actually friendly. Bless the Lord. And I, I, Jesus probably would have changed if he went to church. Because church can be one of the most unfriendly places. Tell the person next to you, he's talking about you right now. <laughs> Tell them, no, he's not. I'm going I'm to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Some of you are like, yes, he is talking about me. What you going to do about it? <laughs> but we're to mime. Imitate me, Paul says, as I imitate Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, and we've dealt with this a number of times, and this is the theme we want to close out the next few weeks with. Jesus says in the easy reach, uh, sorry, the ESV, the English Standard Version, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I love the Message Bible. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Everybody with me so far? He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. Thank you, Jesus. I'll show you, just Jesus, I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Learn to live freely. This is the point I want to get to. This is the good point, and then we will close. This word yoked, it, it, is, a, it is a powerful word, and I, I'm just going to need, uh, Dr. Irvin, could I just borrow you for a minute here? And you can just sit here for a minute, and, um, and I'm going to borrow you, uh, Chandler, for a moment. And so this word yoke, when he says, take my yoke upon you, this is the picture Jesus is talking about. Okay, so, so if you notice, we sometimes in our mind when we when when we hear the word "take my yoke upon you," we we think that Jesus is the big oxen and we are the little oxen. That's not what he's saying, because Jesus really is the farmer. He's the one who's directing the yoke. Are you with me? The plow, and so. Here you see there's this farmer with the hat on. Everybody followed that so far? And, and the farmer is plowing the field. And he has two oxen that are helping him to pull the plow so that the fallow ground, the hard ground, can be broken up. 
The Bible talks about breaking up the fallow ground of hard people's hearts. Are you with me so far? And God needs us to do that. So the beam that is connecting the two oxen are yoke. It's a yoke. Are you with me so far? And this is what, this is powerful. This word yoke in the Greek, it actually means a coupling. A coupling. So if I can borrow you two for a minute. So it is a coupling. If you could just one stand to the right and the other one stand to the left. So it is a coupling. So here is Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. So Dr. Irving, he's taking a yoke, okay? But now he's also being connected because this word yoke in the Greek means to be joined. Are you with me so far? To be joined. It, it means a coupling. It, okay, a couple is two. Okay, okay. And then there's a joining. And then this is, this is the beauty of it. The word yoke also means a balancing beam. Oh, my goodness. A balancing beam. So, in other words, you put, pardon me, the, the old oxen, okay, <laughs> with the young oxen. The old oxen knows the way. The young oxen has some strength. So, hopefully, if you put them together, okay, you'll have a balanced effort. If you have a church full of young people, it will blow up. If you have a church full of old people, it will dry up. So you have to have balance. Are you with me? And so Jesus, mm, give me five right here. Jesus says, take, oh my God, have mercy. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, what that means is, is, is what would happen is that if a, if a young lamb, okay, God went off into its own way, are you with me, and got separated from its mother sheep or proper sheep, the shepherd would take the hook, come here, and, and, and make sure that, oh, Jesus have mercy, and make sure that the, that, the, that the lamb was connected to his mother sheep. Mm, my God. Because if, if the lamb does not get connected to its mother sheep, what ends up happening is that it will try to connect with the wrong sheep. And because, mm, and because it's connected with the wrong sheep, the lamb will realize that this sheep is not my mother and thus the lamb will not drink the milk that it needs to survive. So the, so the shepherd got to make sure that the lamb is connected with the right sheep or else if he's not connected with the right sheep, he or she will die. And so God is saying, take my yoke upon you, meaning that I'm going to connect you with the right follower. I'm going to give you the right mentor. 
See, some of you are looking for certain people to mentor you. God said, no, I have somebody who's going to give you the right milk, the right meal, who knows your temperament, who knows your hang-up. I'm going to connect you to the right person so that your purpose and destiny doesn't die. And if you don't have mature adults in your life, you're going to mess up. And as, a, and as an older person, if, if no young people hang out with you, you need to ask yourself why. Too many of these young people, and young people, you can say amen for me. Too many of these young people are making mistakes because we have not spoken to them. They're looking at us and saying, what mistakes did you make in your marriage? What mistakes did you make in your ministry? What mistakes did you make pursuing your career? What mistakes did you make as a parent? What mistakes did you make so that I don't have to make the same mistake? But we're too busy covering up. We don't want anybody to know our business. And then we're like, why, don't, why these young people can't get it together? Maybe because we haven't opened up our mouths. God gave me a, the perfect wife. And, 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 and this, is what I'm, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Because not every woman would allow me to say from the pulpit the stuff we do. Why are you telling my business out there? Why are you always telling me? Why can't you keep your mouth shut? Every time now, now everybody's looking at me. And the point is, is that look. I don't want you to make the same mistakes we did. I know you think we're, we're filled with holy dust. <laughs> we wake up in the morning and say, how great thou art. That's my wife saying to me, then sings my soul. <laughs> no, our breath stinks. <laughs> Underwear sometimes has holes in it, you know. That, you know, it's, 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 just, it's just real life. Okay, help a brother out. Yeah. Brother out. Okay? <laughs> it's just real life. It's real life. Don't listen. Don't. Those, those movies are lie. Okay. <laughs> life is life, folks. I wish I could say I wake up every morning and, I, and, and the anointing is upon me. But sometimes the alarm clock goes off and it's time for me to get a devotion and say, I'm, I don't feel like talking to you today, God. Somebody was shocked when I said, one Sunday morning I woke up and I had to preach and I said, God, I don't want to go to work. I know sometimes you think that I come down from Mount Olympus. You ain't no Bible, mister. You know, that, that, that I'm up with God in the heavenlies. And oof. That, come here, that somehow an angel hands me the Holy Scrolls. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> no, sometimes I roll out of bed and I'm like, what's on YouTube? Because I ain't trying to. Can somebody be for real? Can I send somebody for real? 
Okay? Can somebody be for real? On a Sunday morning. Okay? Okay? Okay. Then I get enough respect to say, okay, God, let me get my life back. But there's, there's the coupling. And my point is, who is God yoking you to? Because you know what? Jesus doesn't say to the, the farmer doesn't say to the oxen, are, are you okay with him? Mm. Yeah. The oxen, the, the, the farmer doesn't say to yoga, hey, you know, I'm going to hook you up with this. I, I, is everything okay? No. So why do you think that this nonsense about, well, when the spirit of the Lord, oh, I, I just got to feel it. I got, you know what? You don't do that when you work at your job. You don't leave a class after paying all that money because you like the teacher. Isn't it amazing that the only place where we feel the spirit of liking is in the church? This nonsense, let me just keep going here. This nonsense of, I, I, I want to go to a church where my spirit is settled and I, and I like, and I like the church. And usually, you better go where the Lord leads you. Which means if you don't belong here, you shouldn't be here. But I like the preaching. I like the music. But if God, you better go where the Holy Spirit wants you to go. And too, mm, and too many of us, we pick churches like we pick hotels. Some of us ain't looking for church. What amenities does the church have before I join? Oh, they have a water slide. Praise the Lord. Oh, their, their, their youth group has a movie room. Hallelujah. And then lower down the road, thank you. Lower down the road is, oh yeah, and they preach the word. Oh, their church is hot because they have a fog machine that simulates the presence of the Lord. So when Jessica sings, bow down and worship him, that's when the smoke comes. <laughs> And we feel the glory. And all it is is a, just a bunch of feelings. Spirit simulators. Ooh, somebody better, somebody better post that on a text. Spirit simulating. You better ask God who you want to hook me up with. Because that person may not even be of the same culture. They may not even be of the same, you know, they may not have nothing. They may, you may be as far as the east, so opposite. And yet God says, no, I know that this man has something that you need. And guess what? It's not a one-way thing. This man has something that you need. Lord knows I lead young people because I can't tweet, I can't Twitter, I can't do nothing. So, so I, need, I need somebody in my brother needs to see that's, that's just help, help a brother out. So we're talking about the yoking, the yoking. Now, let me give this final point and then we'll pray. Uh, two more points. So brethren, we had this wonderful summit. Fred Hammond, send the praise up. And guys were taking out their phones and 
whoo, me and Fred, and that's good. But after all that, who you yoked with? Who you coupled with? Who you connected with? Help us, Jesus. And so, thank you, gentlemen. There you go. See, he's a young guy. He's he's a young guy. He's broke. No, <laughs> I ain't messing with you. One more point, and then we'll pray. One more point. Who is following you? And are you becoming, the issue is not who is following you because somebody's following you. Here's the question. Are you worth following? Someone's going to follow you, but are you worth following? You're a young dad. Your dad, his dad. The question now is, are you going to be a worthy dad? Are you following me? So the issue is not, no, you're a husband. The question is not, are you a husband? The question is, are you going to be a worthy husband? Okay. You're a friend. You're a sister. The question is not, are you a friend or a sister? The question is, are you going to be a worthy sister? So my final point, which, which really shakes the living daylights out of me. John Maxwell, Dr. John Maxwell, he's a leadership savant. And he has a book called, if you ever want to, in fact, everybody should really get this book. He calls, his book is called The Five Levels of Leaders. The Five Levels of Leadership. And this is the problem, even when I was growing up in the church, the first level of leadership is called positional leadership. That means people follow you simply because you have the position. No, it's the person who says, I'm the pastor, do what I say because I'm the pastor. It's the boss that basically says, do what I say because I'm the boss. That is the lowest level of leadership, positional leadership. Are you with me? Then the second level of leadership is permission, meaning that I follow you because I like you. I follow you and say, you know, Aaron, he's a good guy. I like following him. I like, I, I like hanging out with him. And so uh, that's leadership by position, meaning that they got your heart. They like you. But that's still a low-level leadership. Then there's production, meaning that I follow you because we get things done. See, you're not going to get high-level leaders to follow people who just are leaders out of position. Because after a while, they're like, yo, I'm glad you have this position, but I don't like you, and we're not getting stuff done. So good leaders will eventually lead those, leave those kind of people. I, I got the position. I like working with you, but let's get some stuff done. Are you following me? Let, let, let's not be working for a half a year on the same project. Let's get some stuff done. 
But that's not, yeah, praise the Lord. But that's not, but there's a higher level of leadership and it's called people development. Meaning that I follow you not simply because we're getting stuff done. I follow you because you're making me into a better person. I am always looking at people following me and I ask myself, am I making them better? Am I adding value to their lives? Dads, are your children better because you're in their lives? Doesn't mean, mom, does it, are your children better because they're in your life? I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not saying that sometimes we're going to struggle, but the bottom line is, is that in the final analysis, are people getting better? I remember I said to one man, and I know he didn't like what I said. This was years ago, so the person not even in this room, so you can relax. But I remember I was doing some marital counseling, and, and the guy was complaining about his wife and how she was just horrible. And I said, dude, I knew your wife before she married you. You did this to her. quieted here. The people who are following you, have they been made better in some area of their lives because of you? Does a student go up to you and say, I'm so glad that I took your class. I'm a better person. I'm always measuring that as a pastor. When people leave PT, Many times I'll have an exit interview. What did we give you? Did we do anything that made you better? Because if we're not making people better, then why do this? And then the final level of leadership, and then we'll pray, is pinnacle, meaning that in this one, you really, you really can't get to till you, till you had a, a lot of life under you. This is reserved for people like me, 60 and over. I'm <laughs> looking. This is, this is legacy. This is where people say, I follow you because of who you are and what you represent. That, 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 number five is legacy. Number five is, I've watched your life. I've, I've heard about you for decades. And there's a consistency. There's a consistency. See, these, these are my pinnacle people. Mother Cummings, raise your hand. These, these are my pinnacle people. I watch them. And I kind of crack up because now all these millennials are sitting on my mother's lap. My poor mother's lap. <laughs> but they're like, I, I see something in you. I see... By the grace of God, you were able to produce a son, two sons who love Jesus, and then there's a legacy. And, and I, I, I want you to say these words. I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. As this church grows and I see these, these children, and I was, was a, no, I was, no, I was talking about you, Richard, and and your daughter, and Kristen, and, 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 and so now for me, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at 
your daughter. Why? Because I want to know, does this ministry have the ability to affect generations? My wife and I, when we go to Fan into Flames, we're watching to see, have they caught what we're trying, the virus we're trying to spread? What virus is that? Love for the word, love for Jesus, and love for each other. Are, are they catching the virus? And so when we see young people long after the service is over, as long as we're not closing the church, um, hanging out, laughing. It's like, yeah, this is what, this is what church is all about. We're a church that's over 90 years old. And long after I'm gone, I want to pass on the legacy that was so faithfully passed on to me. How many of you want to be legendary? You want to be legendary. Say these words, I, I want, to want to be legendary. legendary. In his book, Seven ha Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. And he has this picture of, picture yourself at a funeral and people are walking by and they're saying words over you. He said, what do you want them to say? I want them to say four words when my day comes. I thank God, or five words, I thank God for you. I thank God for Brian. And as we become the staff of people who will follow us, the day will come when they say, I thank God for Mother Green. I thank God for Chandler. I thank God for John. I thank God for Denver. I thank God for Z. I thank God for Paul. I thank God for Aaron. I thank God for Lisa. I thank God. There are people who are looking at you and you'll never know the people who you're affecting who are saying I thank God for you. You have no idea. How many of you have ever left a job, left a job thing, and had somebody come up to you and said, what of influence you are on their lives and you didn't even know it? Anybody, you didn't even know what people are watching. And so Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. Oh God, I just sense that this is a season of shifting. 
because this is a church full of leaders. And sadly, Lord, the devil has broken such a confidence that people have had in their lives that he's, he, he's lied to some of you and said, you're not worthy of being a leader. You're not worthy of being followed. But Satan is a liar. There are some people who are not going to get their lives together unless God yokes them to you. And there's some of you who God wants to yoke with people who you may not even like, but God is saying, this is the person that's going to bring you to your next place. Humble yourself and let me use this person in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Could you just take one minute and just allow the Lord to speak to you. He is speaking. He is bringing people into your mind and into your heart who say, and he's saying, you, you need to reach out to that person. I've been putting that person on your heart for the last three or four weeks. You need to text them. You need to make the call. You need to email them. That person keeps coming to your mind who you work with. And something inside you say, why don't you go out to lunch with them and get to know them? But you haven't been responding. The Lord is saying, I want to couple you with that person. I want, I want to use you to bring life to that person. Oh, Spirit. Spirit of God, Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Mm. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, the first one you need to be coupled with is the Lord. He wants to put his, his joining beam on you. He wants to make your life easier the way he sees easy. He wants to unburden you. You weren't meant to do life by yourself. <laughs> 